been blessed. And it's blessed, built, blessed by being dipped into the, the holy water that's blessed at the Easter Vigil. And then it's given to each person individually in baptism. Now, there's another time when we receive candles or we have candles blessed. And that's coming up on February the 2nd. February the 2nd is the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, also known as, <clears throat> traditionally known as Candlemas. And it is at, uh, the time when the church blesses the candles for the year. So if you happen to be going to Mass that week, you can bring your supply of candles, uh, or the priest will announce that on such and such a day in a mass, there will be the blessing of the candles. So gather up your candles, your vigilites, your candles, whatever, the ones that you want to use in your home for prayer or for times of meditation and bring them to the church and the priest will bless them. And having blessed candles in your house is a wonderful thing because, because we use blessed candles to drive away any darkness, any any sense of, of the evil one pestering us or um, any, any, uh, any anxiety or fear. So February the 2nd is the date, the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. And that's just a, boy, it's coming up quickly now, huh? By the way, it used to be the traditional end of Christmas was February 2nd. But of course, now the baptism of the Lord is really is now used as the end of Christmas. <clears throat> In the ordinary, at Catalamus is still the end of Christmas. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Okay, let's, um, the, by the way, the ordinary is the, Joe? It's a, a community of former Anglicans who en masse converted to Catholicism. And their right is called the ordinariate. Yes, correct. Correct. Can you hear me? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I just had a question about uh, the actual baptism, and you were talking about the three, or the 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 water, just the just the blessed water. I was wondering, mm -hmm. is it optional where somebody could be fully immersed into water? Because I know that sure. uh, has a lot to do with like when. Jesus was baptized. He felt baptized as he came out of the water. So yeah. I was wondering if full immersion was an option for people that want to be baptized. Yes. Uh, not at St. Not at Andrew's Cathedral because we don't have the facility for it. But in many churches, especially in the Eastern churches, <coughs> immersion, immersion baptism is common. In fact, it is the right is immersion baptism. And certainly in other churches, like the Baptist Church, they do full immersion. I know people who have gone to Israel and have participated in baptismal services over there in the Jordan River. Um, that is a full immersion baptism as well. So, yes, many Catholics um, have experienced full immersion baptism. Oh, Emily here uh, in Roanoke, where I was once, some new churches built, Roanoke, Virginia, and it was built with a, um, a large area bricked in that, that you could have the option for full immersion. Mm -hmm. People were using that back in the 80s. I, don't, I haven't mm -hmm. been there since. Mm -hmm. So yes, indeed, that's a good question. Okay, well, let's move on to confirmation. By the way, I'm recording already again. So. Okay, thanks, Philip. So, confirmation is is the second is actually the sacrament that completes our initiation. As I said earlier, many people have have been baptized and are receiving Holy Communion, but have never been confirmed. This is not an atypical situation, but it's easily one that's easily remedied. Okay, this it is the sacrament of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, when you are baptized, the priest prays for the Holy Spirit. But in sacrament of confirmation, um, it is called the sacrament of the Holy Spirit. It confirms and strengthens the supernatural life that we received in our baptism. And it en enables us to fully enter into the life of God with the Holy Spirit in us. In the sacrament of confirmation, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The bishop, the bishop will, typically the bishop will come to each person, lay hands on him, on them, and then anoint them with holy oil, saying, receive the Holy Spirit. This strengthens us, this, this um, sacrament strengthens us to become mature witnesses to Christ. We used to use the expression, we become soldiers of Christ. You know, and as children receiving confirmation, we thought this was just wonderful. We were, we were going to be little soldiers of Christ, you know. And, and in fact, that's what we are when we witness, when we live out our baptism, when we do even little things like in public, if you're in a restaurant, if you can get into one these days, if you can go to a restaurant these days, and when your food is brought to the table, you all, you all look at one another and say, name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Bless us, Lord, in this food that we are about to receive. Whenever you say grace in public, it is, a, it is a strong witness of who you are and what you represent. People always notice it. Marilyn? Yeah. Um, why, why is the term soldier of Christ no longer commonly used? Well, I think it was a medieval term that was used was used um, for many, many years after the Council of Trent. And with the coming of the Vatican, Second Vatican Council, they were updating language and terminology. And the whole idea of, of war and anything associated with war was not really considered um, good form. And so now they, we, they simply say uh, mature witnesses to Christ. But in fact, when we when we use the expression "we are soldiers of Christ," it actually seems more um, because we are in a battle. The, the The point is, we are in a spiritual battle, and and um, in a sense, we are soldiers in that battle. Well, when yeah, we say the, um, a, a the archangel, we are say defend us in battle. I'm yes. saying that every day. Yeah, thank you, Emily. What were you saying, Liz? I was just saying that, um, yeah, it seems to give things a, a stronger sense of purpose, hey? Yes, it does. It yeah. does. Yeah. Oh, bouncing on that, I have one more question, too. Um, yeah. The homily, it used to be called a sermon, right? Yeah, that's right. It, is that kind of a similar thing? Like, sermon just had a certain kind of, you know, I guess, connotation with it? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, I think I think I can help. I think I can yeah. help with that one. Go so, ahead, Andrew. Okay. So a homily is specific to the readings of the day, where a sermon would be. Um, so I was told at one point. So a homily has to be said at all Sunday masses, mm -hmm. but I I believe on weekday masses the priest could say a sermon instead. Which would be more of a call it call it a, a so basically the same idea as a homily like a, a religious discussion, but that isn't necessarily tied to the readings of the day. Okay, yeah. But again, it's a it's a change, Liz. It's a change that became 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 uh, visible after the Second Vatican Council that the priest. Priests never talked about, really gave discussion or exegesis on the scriptures. What they did was they gave they gave a sermon, and it was usually, uh, you know, kind of a, a a fervorino on the living the Christian life or how to live uh, a good Catholic life. 
because often we weren't expected to understand or read the scriptures uh, many, many years ago. But now, um, usually there is some explanation uh, and we are encouraged to understand what the scriptures are about. So the homiletics is a big part now of the um, training for priesthood. And of course, we all know that some priests are better at it than others, right? Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, Christ becomes that internal guide and motivator for our lives. You know, the Holy Spirit is really that still small voice inside of us that tells us to act now or not to act now, to do to move a certain way or not to move a certain way in a situation, to um, to speak or not to speak. We need the Holy Spirit and we need him more than ever in our world, I think, you know. So in, in confirmation, we receive the power to become holy in an unholy world. More than ever, we look around us and we say the world is so secularized. There is so little interest really in the truth now. And not only that, but the truth is so relative. You have your truth, I have my truth, you know. Everything is, is related to, is relative to something else. Because basically we have a society that doesn't believe in God anymore. We've tossed God out the, out the window. But by, the, by our confirmation, we are given the power and the gifts to defend and witness to our faith by our word and example. Now, because we are confirmed and we receive the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean we're meant to get out on a soapbox and start preaching to the world. We preach far more powerfully by the way we live our lives than by the words we say. St. Francis of Assisi said, she said, preach the gospel with your life and sometimes use words. Sometimes use words. But you, you think of it, you, those of you who are parents or mentors, what is, it that, what is it that makes the difference in the life of another person is your example. It's not what you say to them. It's your example. It's your love for them. It's your attitude towards them. It's your forgiveness, your respect for others. Those are the things that make the difference and that in which, and these are the ways that we witness more than anything to our Catholic Christian life. So for example, if, if we come across somebody who has, who is, um, who doesn't believe in God and doesn't believe there is a truth, we don't tell them that they're stupid and that we don't, we, we think they should go, go and, you know, take a class someplace or whatever. We listen, we respectfully listen to their point of view. And that attitude of respect and honoring of the other person gives more, has more power than any words we could ever say to anybody. So we are given the power to defend and witness to our faith. The, we receive the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. All of them, all seven gifts of the Holy Spirit we receive at our confirmation are to be used for the good of the church, for building up the body. You and I are the body of Christ. When we are baptized, we are grafted on to the body of Christ. Spiritually speaking, we are all of one body. We belong to Christ. And in confirmation, we are given those seven gifts that strengthen us and enable us to go out and witness to our faith for the good of the church. Especially the gift of understanding that enables us when we pray and read the scriptures, it opens the door to enlightenment through the scriptures. Emily, you're a good example of that. 
Emily loves the scripture. She's always reading the scripture. And she always has new insights. How many years have you been reading scripture, Emily? 70, 80 years she's been reading the scriptures. And every time I see her, she's got a new insight. And yet she's read it 100 times before, you know. So that's that's the gift of the Holy Spirit, that always there's something new, always something new. But we don't all receive the same gifts in the same measure, so we can't compare. You know how it's such a human thing to compare. We'll see, how am I doing compared to my sister? And how, am I, how well am I doing compared to so-and-so? School reinforces that, eh? Grades and school reinforces this whole idea of comparison. But we can't compare in the spiritual life. We can't compare. But we can look up to another. We can look up to, to our, our um, mentors. We can look up to the saints and say, I want to be like that person. I want to be holy and uh, loving like that person. I say here that I'm really struck by the word power, which um, I can call energy. And there's something about, uh, something happens inside of us, which uh, we like we're gathered together uh, in a way that we have no alternative but to to sort of move with this power. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking now they're opening um, gyms more. Well, what are people doing in gyms? They're exercising their whole being so mm -hmm. that they can do this or that. Mm -hmm. And that's what um, we're called to do. Uh, when we say go to confession, even we're getting rid of the clutter so we can <laughs> exercise uh, our whole person into what we believe. And people mm -hmm. can't avoid then seeing what we believe if we have that power of conviction that we've helped to to yeah. gather together in ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mother Teresa didn't have to say a lot, but you could tell by watching her and by her life that that she was a powerful person. She was barely five feet, you know, but she was a very powerful person. And um, a woman of deep, deep conviction. You know, when we're confirmed, we make a covenant with God. And to make a covenant with God is different than to make a covenant is different than to make a contract. A covenant means it's permanent. It means it's forever. And so when we're confirmed, we're forever in that covenant with God because we have, again, we have this character, a mark on our soul. We cannot get unconfirmed. Baptism and confirmation, permanent, indelible marks on the soul that keep us in union with God, whether we want to be or not. So how is it done? Again, you come to the when you come to the Easter vigil, the bishop usually is the one who would do it unless he delegates the priest of the parish <clears throat> because he can't be everywhere at once. So the but usually it's done by a bishop. And the person is sealed with holy oil. Now again, the matter matters. Matter is important. And the matter in the in in uh, confirmation is a particular oil. It's called chrism, oil of chrism. Chris, chrism, the oil of chrism is an olive oil mixed with balsam, the fragrance of balsam. So it has a beautiful, beautiful smell. And these oils that the bishop or the priest will use are blessed on Holy Thursday morning or another uh, date around Holy Week designated by the bishop when the bishop gathers all his priests and the, and the parishes together to celebrate the priesthood. 
and he blesses the oils for each one of the parishes. He blesses the oils for the year. And there are three oils that he will bless. He will bless the oil of chrism, which is used at confirmation and ordination. The oil of the sick, which is used to bless the sick and the dying. And there's a third one. I can. What is the third one, Philip? Uh, chrism, confirmation, uh, chrism, uh, catechumen. Oh, the oil of catechumen. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, so the chrism so, oil, Marilyn, is also used for baptism. Yeah. Okay. If if the person is is separated from their confirmation at that point. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So the bishop. Bishop will bless three separate oils, and the oils are then uh, given out in small packages to each of the parishes to be used throughout the year. But that oil of chrism is used at uh, at the um, Easter vigil for the the confirmation of the candidates and catechumens. So the bishop will seal you with the Holy Spirit. leaving that indelible mark, not on your forehead, but on your soul. The olive oil will maybe leave a mark on your forehead, but the, the uh, confirmation itself will leave a mark on your soul. The bishop usually lays his hands on your head. And, and so therefore the sacrament is given only once. Again, once for baptism, once for confirmation. <clears throat> And after that, you can re you receive the Holy Eucharist at the at the um, service. In order to receive confirmation, the person must be first of all baptized. You can't receive confirmation before baptism. First of all, you have to be baptized. That's the first thing. And you have to be in a state of grace. So that means that before the Easter vigil, you will be instructed to go to confession. So confession, then you can be baptized and receive confirmation and Holy Communion. You have to be without mortal sin. To receive the grace, there has to be there has to be a freedom from sin. Yeah. Merrily. Yeah. Um so in baptism, all the sins are wiped away. So you go, and you can't go to confession because you're not baptized yet. That's so, right. Oh, you're right, yeah. Philip. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of the people, people who have already been baptized and yes. are only being confirmed at this Easter vigil. They go to confession. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. The bishop lays hands on you to uh, for it's called the imposition of the uh, of the bishop's hands to invoke the Holy Spirit. He will call down the Holy Spirit. Now, why does the bishop have such power to call down the Holy Spirit? This is an important point. Why does the bishop have power? That kind of power. The reason is because the bishop is, is in the line of succession to the apostles. He is in a direct line of succession through his own anointing from the first apostles who were given the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So do you realize that when you receive the Holy Spirit from Bishop Gary, hopefully, that he, that he is actually, in some mystical sense, in some spiritual sense, he is as if it is St. Peter himself, or St. Paul, or St. Mark, or St. Thomas, who is laying hands on you because he is in that line of what we call apostolic succession by virtue of his ordination. And this is the reason that we call him we have deep respect for his office. That we, we 
acknowledge him as bishop and as not your average Joe Blow, but as someone who is set apart by God for a special mission. He is as as uh, the arch archbishop, Eastern Rite Archbishop, who belonged to our community for many many years before he died, used to say to us, "I'm not just uh, any Joe. I'm Archbishop Joe." You know, he has a special office within the church, and he is in succession from the apostles to the to the current church. Just like the Pope is in a succession from the first Pope, St. Peter, right down to Pope Francis. So are our bishops in succession. It's like a royal line in the church, but it's in the church, not in a family. So we receive seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. How about that? Not just one, we get seven. Come on, all you Catholics, I need your brains. Wisdom, what is wisdom? The seven gifts are wisdom. Fortitude. Fortitude, yep. That's courage. Understanding. Understanding, thanks, Lori. Knowledge. Knowledge. Piety. Piety, a good relationship with God, his father. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is like reverence of the Lord. Yep, that's right. Uh, My charity. favorite. Pardon? Charity? No. No. Counsel? Counsel. Counsel, that's it. Counsel. Okay. Wisdom is not the wisdom of the world. Wisdom is the wisdom of God. It's like prudence. Do, do we know how to be, how to act, when to act? Understanding is a knowledge, like I said earlier, about understand the understanding of scriptures, opening up the word so that we get revelation and insight constantly. Knowledge is a knowledge of God and of the ways of God. We do that through prayer and the spiritual life. You know, <clears throat> counsel. One of my favorites. Counsel is that gift that, you know, you're about to make a decision. You're about to do something and you just know ah, it's not the right time. Wait. Let's see what God is going to do. Hold back. Know when to act. That's the gift of counsel. Very important gift. Fortitude. Courage. That's courage. Piety is the love of God, a relationship with God. And fear of the Lord, what did you say about that, Joe, or Emily? Reverence is reverence for God, reverence for God. So like any gifts that we receive, the, yes, Philip? Philip, Ed, Ed, Edmund. Okay, there we you go. Get, yeah, you got your hand up. Um, yeah, I was wondering about humility, because I think that's kind of aligned to fear of the of God, right? Fear of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, it's it's in the same line. But humility is the virtue. The virtue that would go with fear of the Lord. Right. That reverence for God. So humility would be the, the kind of the accompanying virtue. So very good oh, point. It's a good point. Th thank you. Thank you. Yeah, good. Um so like any gift that God has given us, we don't put them in a drawer, right? If we're going to live our Catholic life, we're going to live out our spiritual life as Catholic Christians, then we want to use these gifts. So, but how do we use them is always the question. Well, first of all, we ask the Lord to activate them in, get in us and keep them active in us, you know? And we do that by prayer. And so what do they look like in the end? What do they look like? Well, they look like the fruits. And I know that there are some of you sponsors out there who know all those fruits. Right? I, I'd like to say that these, 
uh, baptism makes us a new person. Interior, we are totally new. What kind of person I was? Wore a lot of light, especially as athletes. Yeah, Yes, yeah, we agree, Emily, yeah. Yeah, and so it comes out of this interior, I might say, the pool of the spring that's in us from baptism. Yes, yes. Uh, these these can flow, uh, mm -hmm. but the spirit is uh, sort of moving the flow. <laughs> yeah. So it comes from an interior place that, uh, try as I can, um, I might be strong, but I can, there, there's another strength that comes from the inside. Yes, good point, good point. Mm -hmm. And so that strength, that strength is expressed as love, peace, joy. Joy isn't happy, you know, not like, ha, 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 you know, that's not joy. Joy is an inner is an inner expression of light and of life. Patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. So those are the fruits of the of the spirit. Those are the expressions of the spirit. This is how we let others know that um, we are living by the spirit of God, not by the spirit of the world. Through these various gifts and um, fruits of the of the spirit. And so, if somebody tells you, "Oh, well, I'm a devout Christian, but they're they're impatient, rude." Stingy, rough, unfaithful, immodest, lack control over their emotions or their or their lusts, <clears throat> and fail to bring peace into their environment, that's not a Christian life. Right? That's not a Christian life. But the person the person who brings those things is living a full Christian life. Now we don't live them all perfectly or all the, or, or at all at the same time. But those we should be living those the, those are the expressions of how we can or should be living our our Catholic Christian life. So as Emily says, you know, we're not talking about the surface. We're talking about an interior reality that our baptism and our confirmation establish an interior reality, a foundation within us. The foundations of the house that God is building in us. And it is for us to live it out and work it out in our lives, in our interactions with our family, with the world. You know, in Madonna House, well, I've got a few minutes. In Madonna House, we say, we say we live the life of Nazareth. Well, so do you. We all live the life of Nazareth. It's a common spirituality in our world because, you know, we're nearly every household is Mary, Joseph, and and uh, and Jesus, the child Jesus. And and it's a life of little things done well for the other. It's a life of self-sacrifice. It's a life of ordinary things. There's nothing spectacular about our lives. They're very ordinary. And yet when they're done with little things are done with love, with kindness, with self-sacrifice and generosity, it changes everything because it's done in love. It changes everything and it changes those around us. So those three sacraments, we've covered two tonight. Baptism brings us into salvation. The, uh, the uh, stream of salvation grafts us onto Christ. Confirmation strengthens us, confirms us in our faith, and strengthens us. And the third, the third um, 
Sacrament of Initiation, which takes at least two lessons, um, is the daily food for the journey. All of those sacraments will give us grace and continue to pour grace into us so that we can become more like Jesus and more faithful to being his followers, his disciples. And as much as we are followers of Jesus, the only way to be a follower of Jesus faithfully <clears throat> is, to, is to walk um, closely, to walk closely with his mother, Mary, our mother, Mary. So if there are no more questions or this is a time for more questions or comments. Um, hi, Marilyn. Can you just go over the um, the seven gifts again? I I get confused between the gifts and the expressions of the spirit. Okay. The gifts are wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord. Is is piety the same as fear of the Lord? If it's like reverence, or is it this, are they two different things? No, piety piety is slightly different. It has to do with our relationship with God as Father. Uh, oh, you're you're Andrea. Andrea, did you want to say something? You are Andrea. Okay. No, no, I think it. Was it Andrea who was asking, or was it Grace? I think Grace oh, was it, asking. Sorry, Andrea. sorry, I should have, I should have said my name. My, my, it's Grace answer asking. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I, I, this is Andrea. I did have a question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just hang on, Andrea. Yeah. Sure, so, sure. yeah. So Grace, um, oh, piety, piety is the right kind of relationship with the Father. You know, many of us have a relationship with God that is out of fear. You know that we yeah. are fearful of God or that we are, we don't know how to relate to God as father because, because our own fathers might've been difficult to relate to. But the gift of piety is, is a, a, the right kind of relationship with the father, not a, not a relationship of fear or of submission, but a relationship of love. Whereas fear of the Lord is the reverence for God. And of the things of God. Does that make it clear? Yeah, that's better. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. Now, let's see. Uh, Andrea had a question just before you perp. Andrea? Oh, Hi. Hi. Um, I just had a question about gifts, just relating it back to um, my upbringing in the Protestant church. Mm -hmm. um, one gift that was often discussed in in the church that I grew up in was the gift of prayer. And I was just curious to know if prayer is factors in somehow into Catholic gifts. Just a random question. <laughs> yeah, we don't, yeah, prayer, prayer, we, do, we, it is a gift. It is a gift, um, but we don't uh, speak of it in the same way that we speak of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are supernatural gifts. The gift of prayer is more of a natural gift, if that makes it a little clearer. Um, some people have a natural ability or natural bent towards prayer and meditation. Um, I know in our community here, a little community here, Emily has a natural gift towards the prayer with scripture. For me, it's a much, it's a different kind of prayer, although I love scripture too, okay? but it's a different kind of thing. So it's a different, we all have different uh, different gifts, different accents, different abilities, you know, but we, we think, we talk of as prayer as a gift, but not as a supernatural gift of the spirit. Does that make it clear? Yeah, I guess I'm sort of just, yeah, putting it into the, trying to contextualize. Um, yeah. Because we would talk a lot about the idea of the Holy Spirit speaking through people when they would pray aloud, which is a much more common practice than the oh, I see what church you're of saying. like 
like yeah. group, like we would, and people would pray aloud spontaneously mm -hmm. in in small groups very commonly. And so then they would, yes. someone would say like, oh, the spirit was speaking through you, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I always actually found that very confusing. Right. Uh, um, but I think I understand what you're saying. Uh, Philip, would you like to speak to that? That's really, she's talking about the charismatic gifts, I think. Yes, yes, I think so. So you're talking about the gifts mentioned in First Corinthians chapter 12, I think, mm -hmm. where uh, St. Paul talked about uh, people speaking in tongues, people prophesying. Uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a different kind of gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a charismatic form of gift. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what Marilyn's talking about are gifts that are given to everyone who is confirmed, right? But yes. charismatic gifts are given to specific people as uh, as God chooses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think within my experience, those things would often become confused <laughs> in in the church that I grew up in. There is like yeah. not a distinction between those understandings. So this, mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. is clear. I'm I'm Emily is still thinking about energy in it. <laughs> energy. It seems like uh, there are seven uh, those seven what is it called? Uh, seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's like it's interesting that it's seven. Seven is a full number. So these are the source. I might say are the sources of energy, and then what we do with that energy will be expressed in many different ways through gifts. Okay, good. Thank you, Emily. Parrot, you had a, a comment to make or a question. You're on. I just wanted to go back to when you were talking about fear a little bit, and I just wanted to make a sort of a note about uh, John the Baptist who baptized Jesus. When Jesus wanted to become baptized, John didn't want to. He was actually, he felt like he was unworthy to baptize Jesus. And he had to, Jesus reassured him, no, this is what's necessary. This is what's the next step. So it became okay. But that fear that John was afraid and Jesus sort of took it a step back and said, like, no, no, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, that was, you're right. It, it was a kind of a fear of the Lord. There was a reverence there for, because he recognized who Jesus was. Yeah, very good point. Hadn't seen it that way, but that's a great that's a great point. Uh, anybody else? I just want to add uh, in scripture it it uh, says I think at least three times that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm -hmm. so maybe will you be can you like expound on that, Marilyn or? Well, I think you know in, that's a good point. In in the in the in a world such as ours that has lost reverence for just about everything, you know, that that we we that in focusing on God, when we focus on God, and we have we live in awe and in reverence of who God is and what God has given us uh, in the church and in the sacraments. Um, that is that it really is the beginning of wisdom that we that we find a place, a place, not just of the church is a place of refuge. It's a place of hope and and of peace. And um, it's a place where we can grow into who God created us to be fully created us to be. We come to know who we really are um, through the life of the sacraments and through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And um, uh, yeah, that that uh, fear of the Lord and that sense of wisdom, that, that wisdom that comes from uh, knowing who God is and having a deep reverence, reverential awe that of knowing that he is my creator and I am simply a creature and I am his servant. I'm his handmaid. As one of our staff says, I'm the handmaid of the handmaid of the Lord. 
I'm the handmaid of Mary and the handmaid of the Lord. I am, and and when we know our, our true place in the order of creation, then there's a peacefulness about that. And there's a deep sense that, well, then God is going to take care of me, that God is going to show me the way. He's going to, he's, because I am grafted onto him, that I'm going to, I'm going to get to the right place in the end. And that's what it's all about, is eternal life with God. I hope that makes sense. But the thing is, is that I'm a creature. I'm not the creator. I'm a creature. We've lost, we've lost our sense of that in this world, that I'm of who I am in relation to God. And, the, and when I worship God, when I, when I recognize um, that relationship, that he is so far beyond me and that everything that he gives to me, every, every grace, every shot of divine life is a gift and a special blessing from him then my life starts to fall into place. I can tell you that that's been my experience of life. The more I acknowledge who I am in relation to God and uh, am in, I'm in awe of who he is and how much he has done for me and through me because I sure as heck couldn't do it myself. I, I um I'm thinking that uh, wisdom in a, one way could be expressed the recognition of the original reality, the full reality, you know, a reality that uh, wants to engage us personally. And it's a really sad thing today that many people doubt that there's any reality, like you mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. And for those who are searching for reality and they recognize Creator, I mean, this is really a positive statement to to recognize to recognize the Creator is a really wonderful thing these days. Yeah, it is. It is. I think one of the things that you mentioned also, Marilyn, is that we have lost that sense of. Um, I would say reverence to God, right? And and we see this also in sometimes in in liturgies. Like, if you can fool around with the liturgy, then everything is is off yeah. the plate. You can fool around yeah. with anything. Yeah. And I that's think true. that's why we see a lot of uh, uh, erroneous teaching in the Catholic Church is because many people have been fooling around with the liturgy, and so. Yeah, if you can change the way you worship God, then you can change the way you think about God also. Yeah, that's true. But we also have a world that that um, really doesn't have reverence for anything. There isn't a reverence for life. There isn't a reverence for um, the elder. There isn't a reverence for history. There isn't a reverence for just about anything, you know. Um, we, can, we can destroy... Uh, we can destroy anything uh, these days because of our of, of our selfishness and our need to be uh, quote uh, on top, you know. So <clears throat> I think I think when we when we want to put order back into our lives, into our spiritual lives, into our inner lives, then we begin with God. There's only one place to begin, and that is with the Lord Jesus Christ and and uh, seeking relationship with him, but a reverent relationship with him, you know. Now it's just common common uh, uh, habit. And I hear it even on TV is to use the name of the Lord for what? For just as a, you know, uh, as um, a surprise. Instead of saying, oh, you scared me, they use the name of Jesus. And, and that's terrible. It's terrible. Andre, you had a, a, a comment. Yeah, hi, Marilyn. It's, it's Jonathan Eats, actually. It's uh, Andre, my wife's Oh, yes, um, of course. Email. Yeah, I, I just thought as I agree, a good, wonderful presentation tonight. And kind of brings it full circle. When we do look at the world, it's, it's easy to despair. Yes. And I think it's so crucial that we don't. 
And that's one of the most beautiful things about the sacraments is that they give us incredible strength and grace to feel joy and courage in a broken world, which is really just calling out for us to be there to help it along. And one can despair, and I sometimes do. But I really think it's so important that we don't because we've got the truth and incredible graces on our side. And this is where we're called to live. We're called to live in this world, which is very, very broken. And the signs are all around us. But the beauty outshines it so, so much more. And that's the wonderful thing I think about the Catholic faith is, is, is joy and yeah. its beauty. And it's the graces, which is so sacramental. Those, those are my thoughts. So, Marilyn, I have Thank a question. Um, yeah. If those gifts are from the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. Um, how come, like for me, I find sometimes I don't have those? Like there, will be, like there will be times like, for example, wisdom, I, I would act rashly or something, right? So mm-hmm. there's no wisdom in my actions or sometimes there's no fortitude. You get, I, I get scared or something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is there something that I should do to make them effective in my life? You know, um, That's a very good question, Philip. Um, Wisdom, you know, I don't know if you were there on uh, on uh, Epiphany when Father Father um, Lester gave a homily on what makes a man wise. It was so well done, you know, a man wise, and the uh, the things that make a man wise are uh, preparation. Know where where is he where is he going? How's he going to get there? And what he needs to take with him. You know, and and um, part of that comes with experience. This is wisdom of God is a different kind of wisdom than the wisdom of the world. Well, the wisdom of the world comes from experience and comes from learning from our experience. But the wisdom of God is really refers. I think these gifts refer uh, always back to God himself that we understand the wisdom of God, that we know the ways of God and the how God works and not whether or not we make the right decision or not. I think that enters partly into it. The two things interact. But I think more than anything is when we talk about the, the, the Holy Spirit, we talk about we're really talking about the wisdom of how God works in our lives and what God does in our lives. You know, God doesn't God doesn't give us the grace for every day. He doesn't give us the grace for our whole life right now. He only gives us the grace for today, for what I need today. And then he tomorrow, he'll give me the grace for tomorrow and he'll give me the grace for the next day and the next day. The same thing with other gifts like courage. God will give me the grace that I need for to have courage today. If uh, supposing things go sideways, Philip, and um, we start to be taken to the to the um, Colosseum, uh, metaphorically speaking, the Christians start being rounded up and taken to the Colosseum. We're not actually that far off in some countries, um, and uh, thrown to the lions or to the gladiators. You know. And um, uh, it's not that I need courage to face the day. It's what I need is the fortitude to face the struggles and the pain that are that are coming my way. Courage, fear, the fear that we experience or anxiety that we experience in the day to day, those are those are human emotions that come from from uh, our experience or from our lack of experience in certain areas. But the fortitude that God gives us is the fortitude that we need to live out our faith and live out our interior life uh, the way God wants us to live it out. You know, I know in Madonna House, and I'm sure in your life too, Philip, in your married life, it's not an easy road. You have lots of ups and downs that you have to traverse. 
And you knew you've needed every one of those gifts to keep that marriage going for how many years? 30 years, 35 years, 40 years, however long, that every one of the gifts of the spirit are what have kept your marriage on track. And I can say that in Madonna House too. I've been in Madonna House for 36 or 37 years. Emily, you're over what, 60 years in Madonna House? And every one of those gifts in the spiritual life has been an important element in keeping us continuing on that difficult journey because, because we don't want to give up. We want to continue, we want to, we want to see God in the end. We want to be with him forever. And that's what that's what it's all about. Thank you. James has a question. Yeah. James? Oh, it's not it's not a question. I just wanted to talk about when she was saying that God provides for today. I'm a huge fan of the book of Matthew and uh, there's a point in the book of Matthew where he's talking about Jesus talking about the birds and how birds don't uh, gather food for putting mm-hmm. in a barn to put away. They they depend on the here and now. And if you were to just watch them, you could see that God provides for the birds in the here and now. And that mm-hmm. is how they are able to survive. That's right. That's right. That's right. You don't when you when people get married, they don't know what their 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 lives will be like in 20 years, right? There's going to be all sorts of crises and so on, but you can't end, you can't worry about that right now. You only ask God for the grace that you need for each day and for each moment of each day. And the same thing if you have children, you ask God for the grace to deal with each child and their particular needs and particular character. Um, uh, and not for their whole life, but for today, for this moment. Because we all have those times of ups and downs and struggles and, and so on. And one of the, you know, Philip, a good, a good expression of the gift of wisdom is the wisdom to know when to forgive and how to forgive and Amen. how to ask for forgiveness. Hey, Amen to that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so Philip, um, Philip Emmond, Emmond, uh, that that um, you know that wisdom to know when and how to forgive. Well, boy, that's that's um, that's an essential in marriage, and it's essential in family life, isn't it? Um, Go ahead. The fact the fact that you just pointed that to me. Yeah. I feel like you're reading my mind there. Oh. That's that's just... a big thing for me. It's a big thing that I'm having to face right now having to do with my father my real father uh, uh. it's such a riddle yeah such a riddle yeah yeah well we ask we pray well you agree with you in prayer about that you know because it's something that each one of us each one of us has to learn both by experience but also by the grace of god how do i move here how do i love how do i how do I um, bless and how can I be generous to others? I would say uh, I'll pray that you can listen to the spirit. And Good idea. You'll get guidance, maybe only step by step, but you'll get guidance. That's right. That's right. Well, you are a wonderful group of people. I'm so glad to be with you this evening. You're really uh, on top of it here. Thank you for listening. And um, thank you very much for your questions and your comments. They were, it was really uh, appropriate and and you, re- you nailed it, you guys. So um, God bless you all. Let's just say a final prayer. And um Ooh, we'll say the prayer for the travelers so uh, our, our traveling families, anywhere they are, can get home safely tonight. Okay? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Well, Lord God, we thank you for this beautiful time together. 
We ask you to bless each one of us here and bless all of us in our struggles um, in the during the journey. Mother Mary, we ask you to cover all of us, and especially Christina and um, Monica, with the mantle of your love and keep us all safe. Bring us first to our earthly home, wherever that is, and someday to that of your son in heaven, because that is what we long for in our hearts. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you again in another month, okay? Okay. Thanks, Bye. Marilyn. Thank, Thank you, Marilyn. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks you so all. Thank you. Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you, Marilyn. Good night.